0: Yes, sir. Please state yeah. your name. Yeah, Adam Smith, and I'd like to speak on one and two. You have two minutes. Go ahead. Mary delayed a budget vote today. They shouldn't get any more. It's so obvious. L.A.
1: spends too much on the L.A.P.D. Stop,
0: stop funding L.A.P.D. Hey, y'all, this is Chris Roth here with Bushido Grow with your weekly knock activism wrap up. Today, we're going to be mostly talking about uh, stuff going on with the city's budget. Uh, more some more updates relative to what was going on last week. Uh, we've also got a little bit of an update on the project room key. Of course, another update on the coronavirus situation in California and Los Angeles in particular. And we'll also be talking about some more. Uh, some some of the more disturbing things that are coming out of this coronavirus crisis uh, relating to our jail system and how prosecutors are being uh, shitty, I guess. That's kind of a normal thing, but they're being shittier than normal, I would say. Uh, And then we've actually got an interesting little update about the metro and some things that have been going on over there that probably kind of slipped past the attention span of most people because most people are just trying to survive day by day and not really thinking about bus lanes and stuff. But yeah, we'll get to that. So first of all, uh, how's, uh, what is it now, month? Uh, Yeah, it's middle of the third month of quarantine for us now. How's it going, Bushido?
1: Yeah, uh, nine weeks. I think cool. that's yeah, I that that's the math that's in my head, so I'll just roll with it. Uh, it's good. We're still uh, doing the mutual aid project, um, yep. still raising money for that. You can always head over to mutualaidla.org uh, to make a donation or offer to volunteer. We're getting ready to like roll out a new back end, so we're going to be able to like move through service requests a lot more quickly and like get folks what they need. Um, so that's been like going really well, but also like a super high bandwidth activity. So if oh. you are looking to get active, Um, even with the state sort of reopening, there's still going to be a lot of need. We know that like people's jobs aren't coming back immediately. That's just not going to happen. We're still facing dire economic circumstances, and we already had a lot of housing and food insecurity here here in L.A. to begin with, so all of that's just going to get worse. So we could really use your help, or if you want to just like plug in and see what we're doing, uh, we can definitely help you sort of like get up and running and figure out what you need to do just to help your block or to help your neighborhood or to help a larger community because we really are the only people that are going to pull us out of this. Uh,
0: what about yourself, Chris? How are you doing? Uh, well, so I've been doing pretty well. I've been really involved with the whole, um, like the people city budget, uh, planning for the last week or so, I guess actually almost two weeks at this point. Uh, and it's been really fascinating and, and, and fun to get involved with. We've really made some, some good progress. We actually had, we talked up a big win, uh, this past week, but I'll get to that when we start talking more about the budget update itself. Um, Aside from that, like I, I've actually discovered a new fun way for, f- well, from my perspective, it's fun uh, to try to like actually get back into being more physically uh, active than I have been over the last nine weeks. Because now that we we can't go and exercise without having to have like a bandana or a mask across our faces, it's, it's very difficult to go out there and, and do that without feeling like you're going to die. So uh, I invested in a, a smart trainer for my bike. So now I can ride my bike in my living room in front of my TV with like a T like a video game looking thing on my screen where I'm racing against other people. So this morning I went for uh, all all
1: the work, but you don't get anywhere useful.
0: uh, You don't, but you do burn a lot of calories and you sweat (laughs) a lot. Uh, And I was having fun. There was this uh, I was racing against this uh, this British person uh, who was kept we kept passing each other back and forth so it was pretty entertaining he he had been uh he had an extra 10 mile start, head start on me though so clearly his uh his quads are in better shape than mine um <laughs> but yeah i'm doing all right it's just uh getting used to you know continuing this this life of uh perpetual seclusion <laughs> so yeah it's yeah. A, it's a thing
1: it's uh yeah it's weird uh we did a medic training today for some of the community medics that are training through ground game so that was nice because we uh, got to hang out like somewhat close to each other, still like, you know, keeping social distancing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's good when you have like worthwhile excuses to hang out with people. I do miss that. Um, at the same time, uh, we're not making all the progress we want to be making on either of these fronts. So let's talk about Project Roomkey before we talk about what's happening with COVID in the state. But yeah, like Project Roomkey is still one of these where it seems like not only is LA failing, but like up and down the state, there was a big protest up in Oakland that I was watching on Twitter yesterday, um, with a bunch of folks asking for uh, Mayor Shafford to open up more hotel rooms, motel rooms for people. I know in San Diego and down in the OC, there have been like protests against trying to house uh, unhoused people in unused hotel rooms, which I don't. Like, at some point, you just have to admit that a lot of the anti-unhoused people, like, they don't want solutions, they don't care, they just fundamentally don't see people who are unhoused as, like, humans and not deserving of help, and, like, they'll come up with whatever excuse and, like, never actually have a good one, because, like, putting people in hotel rooms to protect them and your community seems like just an all-around win for everyone, um but they're still not happy with that. So right. I don't
0: know. It's it's bizarre. I don't understand the opposition to it at all. Um I mean I I can somehow kind of understand like some really stupid justification coming out of the individual hotels themselves when they're like, "Oh, this is going to hurt our reputation because we've, you know, let the unwashed masses use our our exclusive spaces." It's just like but <laughs> Just do the the humane thing. You. That's so dumb, jackasses. Anyway, so uh, when it comes to an actual update on what's going on with Project Room Key, we've got uh, about what is it there are forty four thousand two hundred and fourteen unsheltered people in Los Angeles, and. Through this program, we were promised 15,000 rooms. That hasn't changed. Either of those numbers have changed. This is, of course, the 44,000 number from, uh, the inf- from the count a year and a half ago because that's the latest we've got, and everything takes forever to get any information and updates on those things. But the relevant— God, the, the, homelessness, the homeless count was—the point-in-time count, rather. That was just February, wasn't it? No, no, no. This is from the point-in-time count from February a year ago. No, no, no but ago. I mean.
1: Yeah, but I mean, this—the one in 2020 was oh, yeah. just in February, right? Uh, that feels January. like a lifetime ago.
0: It was January. It, uh, 100% it still feels 100% like a lifetime ago. ago.
1: <laughs> That's insane. Oh, God. but also, I do want to say, like, looking at this graph, like, it looks like we flattened that curve. So, like, go us, <laughs> right?
0: Yes, uh, we did. Well, I guess the, that curve never really took off. It was just flat from the outset, basically. Um, of the fifteen thousand rooms that were promised, we have a whopping three thousand two hundred forty-five rooms that are under contract, um, which is—that's uh, not the—that's uh, not the correct number of uh, updates. Actually, maybe it is. Uh, There's—it's there's, a significant increase, actually, from what it was. Uh, A week ago, but the uh, the fun one here is that that
1: just means that just means that that the city signed a piece of paper saying, hey, we might use this room for that. That doesn't mean there's somebody living it. Correct.
0: And a fun story with that is also that once we sign a contract with these hotels, uh, we have basically like a retainer with them where we automatically pay for 50 percent of whatever it is that have been allocated. And we pay that regardless of how many we're actually using. So the uh, the onus is then on LASA and the agencies to get people placed into those homes or into those uh, hotel rooms. And uh, the fun he- thing here is that we are up to 27 t- 2728 rooms operational, which is uh, an increase of 347 in the last week, which is pretty dismal. But the good point here. Uh, or a slightly heartening point here, is that we have 1,960 rooms currently occupied, which is an increase of 430 uh, occupied rooms in the past week, which, I mean, compared to there being 515 rooms occupied in the two weeks prior, that's really, really good. Like, we're getting better at putting people into these rooms. We're just still woefully inadequate in terms of actually procuring and placing people as as a whole, though.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it it seems like we are definitely making some progress, but it's not quick enough in my view. And it's also like if Garcetti is talking about opening L.A. by the end of July, (laughs) what's going to happen to the folks in these rooms? Because like the hotels are going to want them out as soon as possible. Like as soon as there's an end in sight, they'll be like, all right, get the fuck out. Um, And I don't know what the backup plan is. You know, Measure H and Measure HHH have. Yielded about this number of rooms. I'm just kinda of doing the the math in my head, but like it seems like Project Room Key has created almost as many rooms as like Project H H H at this point. Uh <laughs> which is bad, I think. Like it's yeah, terrible. It's like our city That's is really not, bad. Like and you know, we'll get to this in a minute. I'm not going to go off about the budget increase for LAPD yet. Um, so let's let's talk about why Project Room Key came to be. And that would obviously be uh, the coronavirus. It seems in the US that we are nearing the very grim milestone of 100,000 dead Americans. Um, before the end of May, a lot of models were predicting we wouldn't do that. Uh, we wouldn't see that number until like the beginning of June or so. Yep. Uh, but it looks like Uh, America is still the uh, the epicenter of this outbreak and is still paying a very heavy toll and will be for a while. But what's happening in the great state of California?
0: So for the state of California, as of 4 p.m. today, there are currently 92,380 confirmed cases of COVID-19 for the state. Uh, We had 2,218 new confirmed cases on Friday, which is 12 percent more than what we had on Friday last week. Uh, We've also had and you can I mean, you can see it in this graph like we keep doing this little stepwise function thing where it just jumps a little bit and then kind of dips and then it jumps a little more and then it dips a little bit and then it jumps some more. We're in the middle of one of those jumps again for the state. So it's just absolutely bizarre to me that, you know, the governor is, uh, or Gavinator rather is, uh, like still going full steam ahead of plans for like progressing to further open the state of California up when really we're in no shape for that
1: the governor is uh, sequestered with his two very oh, yeah. cute horses. Like I didn't like the guy as a governor, but like as a, as an internet celebrity, like he's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, You know, except for all of his shitty policies that actually hurt people in the state. (laughs) But uh, the Gavinator uh, seems to have been bullied into allowing other counties to open early, too. I know Kern County was trying to complain that, like, they were being unfairly burdened by this. Tulare County, I think, just gave him the finger and opened up. Yeah, they did. Um, And there's not going to be, like, any enforcement on that one. It seems like the rest of California is moving at about the recommended speed for the state, but it also seems like we're getting ready to get a, um, a kind of a working draft of how we're going to reopen the entertainment industry. Um, and it seems like regular retail is going to be opening again. If if in name only, you know, yeah. it'll still be opening within like the next probably six weeks. Um, if what Garcetti is saying is to be believed in the, in the city of Los Angeles, that we're going to be done with the lockdown, the stay is the safer at home orders, uh, probably around mid-July to the end of July at the latest, um, which I feel like they're going to front load the opening. I don't feel like they're going to backload
0: it. Yeah, it's going to be really weird to see. And I mean, the fact that like Neera Tandon came down with uh, coronavirus or at least uh, announced it publicly, I was wondering what your reaction was going to be to that. Uh, that's I mean, it's just like, you know, like
1: COVID sucks, like, it and it can kill you. And I don't want Nira Tandon to die. Just like, I don't want any living, breathing being to die as I try and like embrace my Buddha nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also fuck Nira Tandon. Yeah. You know, I hope she survives, but I hope it kind of sucks for
0: her. I hope that she realizes how important it is for everybody to have access to healthcare. That's really good because, uh, most people don't have access to good healthcare and very, 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 very few people in this country have access to the kind of healthcare that she has. And I hope that she can realize that that's what's going on here, and that most people, when they, most people who get this virus, the overwhelming majority of the people who get this virus in this country, have a much, much, much harder time with it than she does in her pampered little lifestyle. So, um, continuing on with the grim statistics here, we have flattened the curve when it comes to the number of deaths. Uh, We had uh, we've got a total of three thousand seven hundred and twenty six deaths in the state due to the virus. Sixty five of them came on Friday, which is actually 36 percent down compared to Friday a week ago. Um, Again, it's not really super useful to compare day to day averages, although this does seem to have like a weekly cycle to it. Um, but the seven day average, you can actually see it's pretty, it's pretty flat. And these, all of these graphs I'm, I'm taking from the LA times, uh, COVID-19 section, because they've done a really good job with visualization on this. Uh, when it comes to the County situation, you can tell once again, that Los Angeles is way up there above everybody else. Um, but some of the, uh, some of the counties are actually starting to get a little bit of, uh, like Imperial Kings and, uh. Which one is that? Butte County, I'm guessing, um, are, are in are, are, are colored with a, a blue color, meaning that they seem to be on, I believe, an upward trend um, for the, the way that their cases are, are increasing over time versus or they're in a, a less they're trending in not the good direction for the doubling rate. Um, but of course, Los Angeles is all up by our lonesome way above everybody else because we have a quarter of the population of the state of California. Uh, sadly, we also have something like uh, half of the cases, um, almost. We have 44,121 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in L.A. County. We had 947 new cases confirmed on Friday, 1,036 new cases today as of 4.30 p.m. Uh, we've got 2,092 deaths in this, in uh, in the county, compare and uh, thirty of them came on Friday. Forty-one more so so far today. Again, that's by four thirty p.m. Uh, it is fucking dire, and Los Angeles being in a rush to reopen just scares the shit out of me. And yeah,
1: <laughs> no, I mean like a lot of folks have been looking up the uh, nineteen eighteen pandemic, obviously, because like. You know, that's the most recent one of these and one of the most famous, um, at least in modern history. And what everyone's noticing is you have the first wave that's like bad, but then it's the second wave where it gets worse. And there's a lot of questions as to why the second wave was, yep. like, was worse. Oh, it was so much um, worse. You know, they didn't have time. the technology we, we did. Um, there were a lot of soldiers returning from a world war where like communicable diseases spread very easily. There was also... Um, and I'm not sure how much this one's backed up by science, but I thought it was interesting that I've, uh, that I've come across, or an interesting theory that I've come across that the use of mustard gas and other chemical weapons in World War One hmm. actually may have contributed to faster mutations in the, the, uh, flu virus because it was in the lungs of soldiers as they're breathing that stuff in. Um, and I don't know if that made it deadlier, but like, that's something again to consider as like, we're going through this reopening phase and like a lot of people are going to get, um... Uh, exposed again. And there's a lot of asymptomatic carriers, anywhere from like 30 to 60% of the population um, by anyone's guess with, you know, the sort of soft data that we have. But that's a lot of incubators out there walking around. And there's still questions as to whether or not you gain immunity from having COVID um, and what that's going to look like for reinfections and also for people like getting infected for the first time after this virus has had like a chance to adapt um, and figure out ways to stick around in the human body longer, um, or maybe get worse. It's kind of, you can never really tell with those things.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the more likely case from what I understand, which is, again, I'm not an epidemiologist. I don't really know much about this stuff, but my guess would be that, you know, there was the initial spread and that seeded more places in the population for, uh, spikes in the virus to to propagate from, and then when the weather started to turn in the fall of 1918, then that was when the flu just absolutely took off, and that second wave was so much more deadly. That's all exactly the same kind of a pattern that we might be seeing here because we're kind of nipping this in the bud as, the t- as we get into the warmer months in the northern hemisphere, but who knows what's going to end up happening when it starts to get colder again and people are more uh, you know, forced into a more confined space when it comes to any interactions they have with anybody, which is a, a we know is one of the ways that this virus is propagating is in close confined spaces between people who are talking and you know putting uh, particulate droplets of their uh, of their saliva into the air. That's how the most intense spreading of this virus is taking place. Um, but getting on from that. Uh, yeah time time to uh yeah let's let's
1: go ahead and uh, talk about the uh, the budget uh, as it sits right now. Um, yep. after a little bit of uh, kicking the can down the road, city council de facto passed the budget, but several folks spoke up saying they would like to do things differently, um which it seems like being the city council and having the budget <laughs> in front of you uh is the time to talk about doing those things differently, not by kicking the can down the road so that the budget de facto has to go into effect because you're not going to do anything about it by June 1st. Yeah. Um, That seems like the wrong move. If you want to change the budget. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you're not wrong. Um, Basically, what ended up happening this week was we had um, we we basically were able to flood public comment period on Tuesday, Wednesday and on Thursday. On Wednesday, we we had so many people in the the calling queue who wanted to speak about the budget because the budget was item number one on the agenda. Um, They actually took the normal. Roughly hour long period that they are supposed to be allocating to public comment, whether or not they actually hit that hour every day is dependent upon the number of people that are actually in the queue. And uh, they kind of sometimes just kick people off the queue for no reason. And it happens all the time, especially for activists that we know who are on Twitter and then post screenshots of their phones getting disconnected. Um, yeah, it's bad, but the, uh, point here is that Nuri actually, um, council, council president Nuri Martinez extended the comment period from 60 minutes to 90 minutes on Wednesday and 100% of the people who called in, uh, and said anything about the budget were voicing strong opposition to the current state of the budget. Um, basically everyone who called in was opposing the police in particular, uh, there was a con- small contingent of folks who are calling, uh, who were calling in from the, or who are part of the merchant uh, f- group that exists up in the El Pueblo area in the historic, um, uh, the El Pueblo neighborhood in downtown LA, just north of the 101 freeway in front of Union Station. Uh, it is a historic and cultural landmark within the city of Los Angeles, and. They apparently have their, their rental contracts are actually with the city itself. Uh, they are tenants of the city and they are tasked with maintaining that area and per, and basically preserving that cultural heritage. And there are, is some kind of a middleman that has stepped in and is basically issuing uh, eviction proceedings warnings for these tenants who whose businesses have been completely devastated by the coronavirus. And uh, so they were calling in and and demanding that, someone pay attention to them which they very rightly deserve but of those like five like they were five or six callers the other like 50 uh were all calling in Basically saying that the police budget is absurd, and then there were like five people who called in as well about uh, from this organization, Claw, which is a uh, an environmental activist group with a very uh, vicious sounding name, uh, and they were protesting the slashing of the environment environmental protection for there's a um a, a sort of wildlife corridor that was like all the funding was being stripped out of the budget because um, our boy Mayor Eric Garcetti. He loves them cops. Um,
1: well, he also pretty much zero budgeted the uh, Climate Emergency oh, yeah. Management Office, uh, which was kind of the compromise from the cl- Climate Emergency Management Department. Um, and so, like, L.A., I don't think we actually have an environment officer here nope. at this point or a sustainability officer because, uh, and I shit you not, Houston stole ours. But not like, <laughs> not like in a mustache twirling like evil villain way. They were just like, hey, we'll pay you more money. And the city of L.A. was like, we can't pay you as much money. And so they left to go to a better job in a city that wanted to pay them more money to do their work. Um, And L.A. since then has not bothered to get, you know, somebody to do that job. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, that's. That's how much our climate mayor cares about the climate is like even here's the thing is, sorry, I'm going to go off yeah, on no, this because this it. is how absolutely fucking stupid Garcetti is sometimes. The sometimes. climate emergency management <laughs> department was going to be a full like department that would still answer to the mayor, but would be its own department, have its own staff, would basically pull together all of the people who are working on sustainability and climate issues in L.A.'s 38 different departments to get them all under one roof four days a week to work together to figure shit out. Cause right now what you have is 38 people working on sustainability and environmental stuff. If, if the position is filled, like not all of these positions are filled in all of the offices, but anyways, you have these people all working in their own little silos doing environmental and like sustainability stuff. And they never talk to each other. So like, they're just doing their stuff that all intersects, but they don't talk, which means nothing ever effing gets done. So like a bunch of activists, myself included, were like, Hey, why don't we make a position where they all talk? Where they all, like, get together and they talk and they fix shit. And I'm going to keep banging my mic here. Uh, And everyone was like, oh, my God, that's an amazing idea. Paul Krikorian, like, took it to the council. Everyone was like, rah, rah, let's do it. Like, even Nuri was like, fuck yeah, let's do the environment. We're going to fuck up climate change. All that jazz. And then when it came to a vote, they're like, no, we're just going to make it an office in the mayor's office. So it's just like a mini department, but directly under the mayor's purview where he got more budget to fulfill the position and like still get people to work together and talk. And um, rather than finding someone to do that job, they just zeroed out the budget. So like Garcetti just cut off one of his own appendages. Uh, rather than fund environmental and sustainability initiatives in the city of LA. So like yeah. every time he bullshits you about he cares about the future or like mayors do the work, just know that when push came to shove, he decided to give LAPD more money than taking yeah. like a tiny percentage of that, maybe like 5% of what he's giving to LAPD and use that to literally just pay someone to do sustainability and make sure all of the resources we currently have are actually like doing worthwhile shit. Yep. So that's my like long-winded take on the budget.
0: That's totally fair because um, this is basically how we prioritize our spending here in the city of Los Angeles, while we're in the midst of one of the largest housing crises, crises, crises uh, that this country has seen in you know decades at the very Fucking, least. That makes me so mad. Yep. So uh, basically, City Council has been talking for the last like eight, nine weeks about these renter protections and all of these things and trying to keep people from being evicted from their homes. And, you know, they were like, Oh, we're, we're, we're working on a, an eviction moratorium. And Mitch O'Farrell uh, was the deciding vote to not pass a strong eviction moratorium because he's an asshole. Um, but the, basically all of these, all of these things and, and protections that are supposed to help these renters were all going to be managed through H which is the Housing and Community Investment uh, Department of the city of Los Angeles. And they're just not getting any money. They get $163 million in the 20 to 20, 2020 to 2021 budget. LAPD gets $3.1 billion. Like, we care so much more about the cops than we do about keeping people in their homes. It's just absolutely fucking preposterous. Um, and imagine like imagine how many homes
1: you could buy with $3 billion. Like, imagine how many people's, like... Mortgages you can just yep. pay off and make them secure in their home, or like buy those homes from Caltrans and put people in oh them. God. Like
0: just take the homes back from Caltrans. <sighs> Fuck How Cal many Trans.
1: bulldozers you could like buy just to to tear up L.A. Country Club? <laughs> like just. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, we want to go after those golf courses. But here, this is another fun little figure: is that the police got a seven seven point one percent increase. Uh, housing got a nine point four percent decrease. And uh, the economic and workforce development portion of the budget got a uh, similarly an eight point nine percent reduction in their funding in, in uh our boy
1: Yeah in the in the midst Mayor. of a pandemic we don't need housing yeah. community economic no.
0: workforce or development. Why, why would we, we need, need none to, of that stuff why would we need any we of those just things. Need the cops. exactly so they can they can shoot <laughs> unemployment to death God. I guess that's true if you just murder all of the other people. They'll fucking people. tase
1: inflation until it like comes under control. That's how we're going to head off Weimar <laughs> Los Angeles is LAPD is going to tase the shit out of inflation.
0: Wait, that's how we create? That's absolutely how they become the, uh, the new fascist regime. Um, but Anyway, uh, uh, Dr. Malina Abdullah, uh, Jane Wynn from K Town for All, Jacob Butcher from the Los Angeles Tenants Union and the People's City Council, and Pastor Eddie Anderson, whose church I forget the name of it at the moment. I apologize. Uh, they all came together to co-write a piece that was actually published in the Appeal this week on, I believe it was Wednesday, right before the Thursday vote uh, on the budget. So everything, like the, the stuff that's been going on with the People's Budget LA coalition, which um, peoplesbudgetla.com, if you haven't checked it out. And I don't know how you, if you follow us and you're listening to this podcast and you've not seen us just absolutely shitting all over the budget for the last week, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, because we are extremely online and we know that our audience of people are most likely similarly online because we all have brain worms at this point. Um, but the first, the first paragraph or one of the first paragraphs in this piece, uh, lays things out very clearly. It says, quote, If a budget is a statement of priorities and Mayor Eric Garcetti's are clear, continue LA's descent into a police state where huge numbers of poor people, especially black people, are deprived of services, even in a city with unimaginable wealth, end quote. Uh, Continuing further down in the piece... All told, Garcetti is proposing that L.A. spend a staggering $3.15 billion on policing, eating up nearly 54% of the city's unrestricted revenues, which is where most of the money for general services comes from. Compare this, for example, to the meager $163 million proposed for housing and community investment, which is roughly just one-twentieth of the money going to the police. Or consider the amount allocated for Proposition HHH, which was branded as a historic effort to build homes for unhoused residents But totals just $1.2 billion to spend over 10 years versus LAPD's $3.15 billion budget for just one year. In a city and county with the second highest number of people experiencing homelessness in the nation, this is not acceptable. Further down... City Council President Nuri Martinez recently made a profound statement on Twitter. Quote, people who live in poverty have a death rate nearly 4x higher than communities with little or no poverty. This is unacceptable. All caps. Systemic racism is literally killing us. What kind of city are we going to be coming out of? Are we going to be coming out of this pandemic? End quote.
1: Why don't we just have LAPD shoot systemic racism to death?
0: <laughs> because then they have to shoot themselves. <laughs> we're I'm just gonna to, not comment we're gonna on go that off one the
1: rails on this one aren't we oh um, no i just like it's 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 so frustrating to yeah. hear nuri talk about this because like that's kind of her shtick at this yes. point is to be like i'm working class i stick up for working class people she she makes yeah. some good like sound bites oh, like man. if you're somebody who's not really paying attention um, and you just hear this quote on NPR like, yeah, she's super yeah, believable. Absolutely. Um, none of that lines up with what they're talking about um, in in all of this in the sessions we had about the budget. Only one council member kind of spoke up and was like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't cut stuff if we're going to give LAPD so much money. <laughs> so not even like give LAPD less money, just let's give other people the money back that we're taking away. I bet the and listeners then, can't
0: guess which member of the city council that yeah. one was. <laughs>
1: But that was that was the strongest criticism of the budget. And yeah. then from there, you had, like, Kerkorian and Koretz being like, oh, you know, I feel like we can do things a little bit better. And it seems like Kerkorian more wants to be more of a budget hawk and wants to do more austerity. And I think Koretz is just, like, wants to shuffle money between, like, the soft programs. Like, none of them are going to go after LAPD well, at this point. So like, not a not a chance. From what
0: I could tell listening to all of this, and I did live tweet all of these meetings, and it did make my brain kind of melt over the course of the week. Um, basically I don't think Paul Koretz really knows what's going on. Uh, Paul Krikorian on the other hand is the chair of the budget committee and he absolutely knows what's going on. And his whole shtick with all of this was to send the budget back to the budget and finance committee so that they could. Uh, basically manage all of the and any any proposed changes through that committee in a much more of a, a controlled process, because there's only the what, five of them in that committee versus the full council of 15 people. So uh, it's also far less likely that people are going to be calling in and harassing the shit out of the budget committee than they are calling in and harassing the entire council. Um, just- I
1: mean, I wouldn't. Well, historically,
0: we're going to try to change that, I'm sure. But historically, that was probably the case. Because, you know, a committee meeting is frequently far less attended in, you know, in the in the before times. Uh, You could you could have a a committee hearing where like five people came to give comment versus like now, if it's put up on Zoom and stuff like it's going to get. Blasted with people actually paying attention to it, um, yeah. But
1: I mean, even if it, even if they're to have that meeting in person, it would be packed yes. because you know oh, yeah, it's the, it's the folks budget. that folks that are on the verge of not being able to pay their rent are going to show the fuck up. When you're like, oh, I could pay your rent, like they're really going to lobby pretty hard for that one. But I, it, it does make sense as to why they would take it to committee. But they can't make any meaningful like Correct. changes to it, right? Yeah. Like the budget that Garcetti proposed goes into effect. July 1st. And then it could be amended after that, like assuming that they get around to it in the next... 90 days, yeah, 180 yeah, days, yeah. however long they decide so, to take.
0: It's really it's really weird what the approach is here. Basically, it's got back to committee, which means that technically they do have another week where they can do stuff to it, but I don't know that they're actually planning on meeting again before June 1st. So June 1st is the date that they have to propose any changes to the budget and then send that back to the mayor. If they don't propose any changes, then it goes into effect by default. It is the de facto budget of the, like the operating budget of the city of Los Angeles becomes what the mayor suggests because city council ain't doing shit to try to offer up an alternative. So that's basically where it's at. So Krikorian got the budget sent back to the committee so he can just sit on it and not do anything until after June 1st. Then they're planning on working on a bunch of different proposed changes that would be uh, offered up to the mayor and, and worked into the system after the July 1st start date of the new budget system. The actual implementation of that is entirely left up in the air. One of the things that Mike Bonin proposed, and he's the only one that proposed anything about the police, was the potential of reopening the the contract negotiations, which is where a lot of this big uh, pay bump in the LAPD came from, was... They had negotiated uh, because their union is like one of the only strong unions in Los Angeles. They were able to negotiate for some pretty insane pay rises and they are already getting paid way too much as it is. But they were able to negotiate even better pay raises for themselves as they're trying to basically like take all of the service providers in Los Angeles and be like, "Nah, we can do that. And then complain and be like, no, we don't want to do that. And yet they come in and like snipe the fucking jobs. It doesn't make any goddamn sense, but this is the LAPD. It doesn't have to make sense. They're just going to be assholes. So, um, point being the new budget is going to go into effect on July one. It's going to be exactly what it is right now. Unless, we like just shit all over the city council again for the rest of you know up, up until July 1 and just make them do something and there is a proposal to do that we are going to be having uh the people's budget uh LA coalition is holding a, a town hall tomorrow uh which i believe is going to be uh the day that this well, comes that's out well
1: it's going to be to yeah, today when it's when it's broadcasting, it's a uh, Sunday the twenty fourth at five p.m. Yeah,
0: so tomorrow if you're watching us right now on the stream and there's one person who is watching us, although that might be you. Uh, <laughs> come, no, it's not you're me. Not in there for tweet. Okay, well somebody's watching. They're just not commenting. Um, but the uh, if you're if you're listening to this now, the, the the town hall is going to be tomorrow at five p.m. Uh, it's going to be hosted on on zoom uh, there's room for up to 100 people to be participants in the meeting and then it's going to be live streamed on the black lives matter la facebook page which is facebook.com/blmla so uh, it will be live cast there or simultaneously broadcast there uh, if you can't get into the Zoom meeting, uh, there will be links for all of that stuff going out in the description of this podcast. In addition to just check the ground game Twitter, uh, it's going to be great because we're going to be bringing people together to talk about a, a vision for a different budget for the city of Los Angeles that we can then try to propose to the committee and say, hey, if you don't want to talk about how to address the cops, how about the people tell you to address some cuts to the fucking LAPD? In, and instead, invest in the kinds of services that are necessary to improve the lives of people who live in this community. Like, Let's not talk about having any cuts to the Department of Aging. Let's not talk about having any cuts to HCID and the actual massively important services that are necessary to keep people in their homes. Like, If you would have passed a strong eviction moratorium and a rent cancellation and all of these other things that we've been banging on the door for, for the last two fucking months, you wouldn't need to be increasing the investment in H but because you haven't, and you're putting all of this onus on H fucking fund them. They're dealing with over 500 requests a day at this point, and they do not have the fucking staffing for that. And it's only going to get worse as the eviction moratorium starts to come out uh, of effect, and people are... Now their landlords are going to come in and be absolute shitheads and start p- trying to push to get them evicted because they... Can't, people can't afford to pay rent because they don't have a fucking job because they haven't been able to work because everything's just shut down. Like, ah! Yep. <laughs> Losing it. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, um, it, it sounds like there's going to be, like, some good work to be done trying to reverse this, and then also, like, heading into November 4th, people aren't going to forget this. Like, there's going... There's unfortunately... Only two elections for city council that are going to be run on uh, run in November. And that's uh, CD4, where obviously we want Nithya Raman to take yes. it. And then there's CD10. <laughs> and that one is kind of, I don't know, it's a shit show. It's Grace Yu, who has not the best history when it comes to... Mildly. uh mildly. Yeah, uh, dealing with unhoused Angelinos and like how to help them and how to shelter them. And then Mark Ridley Thomas, who's just um, yeah. a buffet of corruption. I mean... Um, At least with Mark Ridley
0: Thomas, we have some semblance and an idea of where his politics are, and we know that we can pressure him to move on some things. With Grace Yu, she actively avoids making any kind of a policy position commitment, because she's like, well, if I put out a policy, then people can attack me for it.
1: Well, yeah, where I was going with this (laughs) was um, we've got... Half of the city council is up for election in 2022. Yes. <laughs> so with that half of the, the city council up, all the odd numbers are going to yes. be up in 2022. There's going to be a chance to like write this ship. Um, For right now, the best thing we can do since we can't like recall all of them in short order is to make sure that like you check in with uh, the People's Budget Coalition and then like call your city council member. Like just write them an email once a week telling them that you hate the budget and we shouldn't fund LAPD. Like there's lots of little stuff that we oh, can yeah. do so that they know the pressure's on. They'll only be so movable. I think we also have to accept that. But at the same time, like, yeah. they shouldn't get any peace. No. Um, <laughs> and one of the reasons they should not be getting any peace is Los Angeles is one of the most carceral places in the entire world. Yep. Not just the, the U.S., but, like, the entire freaking world. Like, at full capacity, uh, actually above full capacity, but, like, when our jails were more full, we had more prisoners than anywhere else on the planet. Like, no other country had as many prisoners as the state of California in one place. Yep. And uh, that's kind of like dropped a little bit because they've released prisoners um, because of like the COVID infection and the the deaths and like the fact that we don't need all of these people locked up in cages. This is stupid and unproductive. Um, It hasn't really gotten a lot better. So let's talk about how prosecutors have been playing fast and loose with the law to send more people (sighs) to prison, even though they're not supposed to be doing that.
0: So uh, this is from some reporting uh, in the HuffPost by Jessica Schulberg. Uh, quote, last month, the Judicial Council of California issued a statewide rule that reduced bail for most misdemeanors and low level felonies to zero dollars during the coronavirus pandemic. The emergency bail schedule was an acknowledgement by the chief justice of the Supreme Court of California that people in jails and prisons have a significantly higher risk of being exposed to COVID-19 and that individuals accused of many lesser crimes shouldn't have to risk contracting a potentially fatal disease while they await their court date end quote, which is an extremely correct uh, understanding of the situation and of how the fucking carceral system works. Um, Continuing, quote, the zero bail policy excludes 13 offenses, mostly violent crimes. People accused of committing any of these crimes can be assigned bail under the regular pre-coronavirus guidelines, end quote. So, this, this is the crux of this story, really, is that Rather than charging people for like shoplifting crimes there, we have some absolutely shitty uh, prosecutors going out there and prosecuting shoplifting as looting. And that puts it into a special category where you get to keep people locked up. Uh, and uh, put bail on them. Um, A bit more from the article, quote, Stanislaus County District Attorney uh, Bridget uh, Flatiger, sorry, I cannot read that name properly, announced in a press release last month that Quote, anyone who commits a crime of burglary in the second degree, grand theft or petty theft in our county during the state of emergency could be charged with looting, end quote. The next day, a 32-year-old woman who took $400 worth of groceries from a Save Mart without paying was charged with felony looting. Prosecutors later agreed to drop the charge to misdemeanor looting, which qualified for zero bail. But by that point, the woman had already spent several days in jail where she was at an increased risk of contracting COVID-19. Prosecutors who charge theft cases as looting are, quote, significantly increasing the likelihood of an outbreak for no other reason than their political desire to circumvent the mandatory bail schedule, end quote, said Yoel Yoel Hale of the Northern California branch of the American Civil Liberties Union. Whoa.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, it's... it's We see this all the time. We see uh, prosecutors constantly doing this, trying to charge up crimes, trying to make them look worse than they have to be. Um, yeah. I think because a lot of them assume that their job is to punish people yeah. and to teach people, like, that they're wrong. And it's it's hard to, like... You know, the situation here isn't as drastic as it was during Katrina in New Orleans. But it's hard to forget that, like, when we see looting laws enforced, it's almost almost always against, like, black and brown people. It's very rarely against, like, white people who are doing what they have to do to survive versus people who are looting. Um, And it's what's really frustrating about this is what a bad job like California has done. Well, not just California, but what Los Angeles has done with its prison population, with uh, Sheriff Alex Villanueva going out there and saying that prisoners were infecting themselves with coronavirus or trying to infect themselves to get released early um, when he is – his staff is like constantly exposed to like uh, – sorry, coronavirus and – all the other things that come along with, like, just the violence and inhumanity of working in the jail system. And then you also have, like, Terminal Island, which is out yeah. in uh, Long Beach and is a federal penitentiary. And a lot of the folks there are a lot older and require medical care as yeah. is. Uh, it's designed to hold 800 people. There's, like, a 1,000, maybe slightly more in there at the moment. 700 people have tested positive for coronavirus, and eight of them have died. And, like... Anyone who's telling you that the carceral state needs to keep going on during a pandemic is absolutely full of shit. Yeah. Um, it's, it was weird yesterday watching that big car chase go down when that could have been taken care of in a, a much less violent and ridiculous way without putting lots of people's lives mm-hmm. in danger. Um, but LAPD, I feel like they have nothing better to do with their yeah. time right now. Like there, there isn't a lot of crime
0: going Crime's on. It's down and, like 30%.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they could go, you know, maybe kick some heads in at the banks because (laughs) they're still doing the crimes, but that's not the kind of crime that (laughs) LAPD deals with. So, you know, the cops seem kind of like bored and looking for for stuff to do. Yeah, Yeah, but it's this should be a period of time where like we can pivot away from like incarceration or incarceration is like the default and like a time for us to like do that and a great way for us to do that would be through the budget. Um, because that would allow us to do all sorts of nifty stuff, like build new trains and build new bus lanes. Um, and so let's talk about this Metro update, which I gotta say is also like kind of a good thing, but also like Metro is facing some massive cuts here because of the pandemic. So as cool as like these developments are, like, I'm still really, really afraid, especially after like Donald Trump came out and like announced he was giving a lot of money to every other major cities, like. Municipal transit but like left LA Off the list and you're like wait
0: (laughs) We really we need that money dude what the fuck Uh, Yeah that's definitely not uh, A way of trying to punish us for Not being friendly to him
1: I mean Garcetti is Biden's Campaign co-chair so maybe he's Directly going after Garcetti who the fuck knows Could,
0: Could very well very well be the case um, anyway, so there, there was an article that was published in LA Street's blog yesterday, May 22nd, uh, that starts off with, quote, Metro is working with the LA City Transportation Department, LADOT, to implement bus-only lanes on 5th Street, 6th Street, Grand Avenue, Olive Street, and Aliso Street. And I've got a lovely little map up there if anybody is watching and wants to see where those actual bus routes are. A couple of the key updates here is that uh, there was a, a bit of an update in reporting about how effic- what the efficacy of, like for instance, the, the Flower Street bus lane is. Uh, two is one of the members of the, uh, the reporting committee on this, reported several Metro findings for Flower. The Flower bus lane has served 86% of total people on Flower Street compared with only 14% in private vehicles in the two other general lanes. So one lane of buses, 86% of the people. Two lanes of cars, 14% of the people. A third of the street carries five-sixths of the, of the street's capacity. Flower bus travels, uh, flower bus travel speeds improved by up to 30%. Bus ridership increased 32 2% during the bus lane hours, even after trains resumed operations. The flower bus lane's impact to car traffic was relatively minor, with speeds slowing by 2 miles per hour on a 35-mile-per-hour street. Uh, streets Blog LA, you are killing it with this reporting. Uh, The Fifth Street project that they're talking about here includes and this is this is actually a a fun one, um, which I'm sure you've seen Bushido. Um, It's basically it's for the area where the Fifth Street um, bus situation is crossing over uh, over Figueroa on its way to like get over the freeway it, it this is it's it's wild um so there the this this project is including what is called a quote unquote signal queue jumper uh it's a sh- sort of a bus head start signal phase at 5th and Flower in this location buses pick up riders on the right side of the street across from the downtown library then they need to merge all the way over to the left to continue on surface streets into Westlake this merge conflicts with cars who are merging to the right lane to get onto the 110 freeway The Q jumper would allow, would give buses their own dedicated signal phase, allowing buses to merge left early before cars enter the intersection. This is such a good idea. I
1: I mean, it is, but I also like, I feel like that's putting a lot of trust on drivers, which if you've, if you've noticed the number of people who just like drive on, drive into the blue, the blue lane, the blue line, or what do we call it now? Is it the B line?
0: Uh do, oh, for the yeah, the I guess yeah, yeah the, I guess it is the B line. But isn't anyways, it? Yeah. The,
1: the for the for the at grade trains like Angelino's drive into trains pretty <laughs> like frequently. So like, as much as I like the idea of giving buses like signal priority, I also feel like. There's got to be a better way to redesign that because it's just a terribly designed it, it catastrophe is.
0: to begin with. It really is. But without them like creating bridges and shit, I think this is pretty much all we're going to get. But the way this is going to work from what I understand is that everybody who's on fifth and trying to get to the freeway, the, all of the lanes are stopped. And then once Flower finishes doing its thing and now everybody has a red, it's going to be kind of like a, cram- a scramble crosswalk where everyone has a red light except for the bus. And the bus lane is able to just go and like unload a few buses through or whatever the process is going to be. And then the buses will get a light. And then everybody that's trying to go on fifth will then be allowed to go across. This should be incredibly helpful during rush hour when that is just a solid sea of cars.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying I've seen Angelino's
0: (laughs) job. Totally. That is totally fair. Um, So we'll see how that ends up working. And then the other thing that's going on here is that uh, the Metro staff, uh, reading more from the article, quote, the Metro staff report notes that preliminary traffic estimates show that both. Fifth and sixth streets have sufficient capacity along the entire corridor to install a bus-only lane without significant impacts to general traffic. Metro reports that community outreach for the new bus lanes began in March 2020 and were shortly put on hold due to COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, The agency nonetheless, quote, expects to complete public outreach, engineering, design, and installation of the project by December 2020 end quote so this stuff is moving along um one of the other it is it's 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 still
1: small and limited like that's and that's gonna be my criticism of this stuff for a long while because we're doing it so piecemeal but it is good to see it it's just like until we actually stripe all of wilshire or all of santa monica for a bus lane it's gonna be really hard for like everyone in the city to see why this is i mean to be fair you know it's gonna be like I was, well, I was gonna say it's gonna be like there's there's pockets of like downtown where you have really good service and you have dedicated bus yeah, lanes, yeah, yeah. but if you live or work outside of downtown, you'll never see that and you'll be like, why the fuck am I paying for metro? It doesn't help.
0: Me. Yeah. So what would hopefully happen with that is that all of Wilshire will simply be you know, no cars. They'll, they'll just make it only buses and bike lanes, and then that way things will really be able to move along because if you can get the Wilshire corridor to be car free the, all the way from downtown. Uh, out to the west side. That's a huge uh, arterial that would be uh, a massive way of moving people east and west across the city. Um, One of the things that they're also doing, and I didn't pull any quotes for this one, um, but I'm showing a picture of it right now. This is on Olive Street uh, downtown. This is very close to where I live, actually. And I've ridden my bike up and down this street many times. And it's kind of terrifying because the bike lane and the bus lane are the same place. And as a Bicyclist, like it sucks when you're in an area where there's a bus lane. Like it's terrifying. Cars are terrifying. Buses are even more terrifying. Except that the bus drivers tend to be a lot more cognizant of what the fuck's going on around them than regular drivers. But what they're planning on doing on uh, on Olive, uh, I think, on, actually, wherever they're putting in a, a bus lane, the plan is to have the bus lanes on the right and the Bike lanes, if there's going to be a dedicated bike lane there, will be on the left side of the street. This is something that you see over on Spring Street and Main Street where they have a a separated, dedicated bike lane area that is all the way off on the left side of the street where they are the least likely to have to deal with, uh, you know, devastatingly fatal car and or bus impacts. And actually, this is a um, this is basically the best practice uh, that's been established nationwide for how to lay out. Uh, bike lanes on any of these, uh, any any dedicated bike lanes on a one-way street. It's always put it on the left, Because then you're in the best position to not get run over. Because people are much better at checking their mirrors when they're trying to make a left turn than they are when they're trying to make a right turn. Especially, like, in L.A., a lot of people make right turns without even really fucking looking where they're going. And even at the crosswalk, let alone, like, in the bike lane that's coming up behind them. So I am thrilled to see this actually start to get done. They just finished repaving and repainting 7th Street. Uh, It is wild. Like, when I've done grocery runs for Mutual Aid L.A., like... (laughs) the number of cars that are still managing to be packed onto seventh street in the middle of the day during the pandemic is absolutely wild. Like it was very nice to be driving and picking those groceries up earlier on in the pandemic. People clearly have stopped giving as much of a shit and I am terrified to see what the consequences of that are going to be. Like I'm really worried that we are not actually flattening this curve the way that we think we are.
1: No, there were, there were some times, uh, towards the beginning of this when I was doing supply runs, like, You know, not super early in the morning, like eight or nine in the morning. And as I was driving out of downtown uh, with my car full of groceries, uh, all of the roads in front of me on the Google Maps were red because it hadn't gotten a ping from (laughs) anything moving in such a long time that the computer decided, oh, my God, traffic must be just stopped. Uh, And, yeah, it's every every Mm, day like, you know, I'm I'm in the inventory office like two to three times a week at this point down from like, you know, Five to six times a week previously But um, every time I go to the office There's more and more cars like every week There's more and more people and uh, I think a lot of folks have just kind of Given up well Um, it's on top of That they just you know they're, they're bored and they Don't want to do it anymore well that's
0: that's for some Folks but there's also a lot of folks who are just like Living in a situation where they are They have to pay their rent because they're being You know threatened they don't have the savings To do to survive Anymore like they can't afford their groceries it's they need to go out and work. Yeah, but there's—I the I don't
1: think all of the traffic is oh, coming no, from sure. people going to work because it's not like work commute yeah. time traffic. Like it's different. Um, I know we are going to be seeing that more as people do yeah. go back to work. But even though it's going to be way fewer people, you know, if you're if you're like a retail store that's only doing curbside delivery, you don't need your entire staff for that. So you're not going to call back like all ten of your employees. Maybe you'll bring back four of them, yeah. and then the other six, like maybe bring them back in the next six months to a year as stuff like fully opens up. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't think the uncertainty is going to get by us anytime soon. Yep. Um, you know, it, uh, God, who just did this? Um, I don't know, this will be the last thing I mentioned before we like kick out of here, yeah. but, um, oh God, I can't, oh, I, it was Herbalife. So Herbalife <laughs> just issued like $600 million in junk bonds, uh, <laughs> so that they could complete a stock buyback. So that's, what? that's where the money in the system is going. Yeah. So Herbalife, the pyramid yeah, scheme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is selling 600 million dollars worth of oh junk bonds so that's very high interest bonds um to people who are willing to buy that kind of stuff right now so that Herbalife can buy back more of its publicly traded stock <sighs> so that that stock is more valuable um, so that's that's good no. that's that's all very useful to the economy we Tim, can all I, we can all eat stock right Chris Bushido,
0: you 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 have an absolute knack anytime that you start talking about the stock market to just crush my soul so thank you Thank you for that very much um,
1: Look if you were smart We'd start a pyramid scheme
0: <laughs> So we're no. we're, the, we're the idiots Chris No if it's, we can't start a pyramid scheme Because we actually fucking care about people We don't want to just milk them dry Of all the capital that they would you know, Ever potentially earn in their lives And put them into excruciating debt Because we want to get rich off of their backs This is why we don't have jet skis. I know, I know. Uh, So anyway, the a couple of pickups here we've got again for this week. We're we're kind of light on the uh, on the updates on this one. We will try to be better about this in the future. It's just it's been a hell of a week. There's also
1: just not a lot going on. Yeah, or or what is going on? It's a different rhythm. Yeah, yeah. it's
0: digitally broadcast, and we aren't necessarily as plugged into those broadcasts and announcements uh, as everyone else is, but it is. There's been a massive uh, downtick in the number of activities going on because we just can't. It's just how it works. Um, But yeah, so there is a budget town hall happening tomorrow uh, or today if you're uh, listening to this as a podcast. Sunday at 5 p.m., uh, go to peoplesbudgetla.com and you'll get all the information that you need there to tune in. Uh, The Zoom registration is, I believe, at about 80% capacity already, and so it's probably going to fill up. So you might want to just go head on over to uh, facebook.com slash BLMLA, and that's where you can just tune in live and see the stream happening. I'm actually going to be one of the people speaking during that, so that'll be fun. Uh, And then you'll get to hear from a lot of very brilliant people in the the coalition who have been doing this work for a hell of a longer than I have and are much better at it. Um, But then, of course, we do also have our ground game regular uh, Thursday meetings happening on Zoom. We meet from 7:30 till about nine or so, uh, and that if you want to get plugged into that, just go ahead and hit us up on the socials, and we would love to bring you along to it. As always, if you have any events that you want us to be taking part in, publicizing, or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page or over at Twitter or Instagram. All of the usernames are Ground Game LA. We make it simple for you. This podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of knock.la. You can support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash underscore LA. Check the description for sources, links to actions, and of course, social media links. Thank you very much for tuning in. Pandemic sucks, but we're surviving. Yeah. Hey, we've got a... Yeah, and don't forget and to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello. Uh, but also, don't forget to check out uh, Ground Game Live, which is happening every Wednesday yes. at 6 p.m. This next week is going to be really, really good. Yes, it will. Um, and every week's going to be really good. Uh, Kendall is is... Kind of the de facto host, but we'll probably be rotating in some more hosts well, just so she doesn't have to she doesn't have to do that all the time. Yeah, we
0: got the co-host situation going on. Yeah, Vic, Vic, on. Vic is Vic's doing great.
1: No, Vic, yeah, Vic and uh, Kendall is, is pretty good. I don't know. We'll see how it yeah. goes. We're we're still developing it. Exactly. But on that note, I'm gonna am gonna play us out uh, so you can listen to all of Adam Smith's uh, fantastic protest song played to Nuri Martinez and the rest of LA City Council. Uh, we'll catch y'all on the flip
0: side. Take it easy. Nuri delayed his budget
1: vote today Or tomorrow They shouldn't get any more
0: It's so obvious to see LA spends too much on the LAP Stop funding
1: LAPD
0: Stop sponsoring anti-black violence in the community
1: 200 million more for an occupying army
0: Stop, stop, stop funding LAPD You'll have to um, subscribe to my
1: MySpace page to catch the rest of that one.